Thank you, Nikki, very much indeed. I'm sorry, so sorry I haven't got my recent books. I still have to have a word with the publisher to make sure you get them properly. And that, um, but it's, uh, it's great to be here today. It's always fantastic to be with you at HTB. Uh, I've spent many happy years here when we were on the staff and uh, involving in, as Nikki was saying, in setting up St. Melitus. And it's great to come back as your bishop this time as well and to uh, speak this morning. This morning, I want to speak about a very simple idea. And uh, it's found in a little passage in John's Gospel. And it's uh, in chapter 13, and I want to read some verses to you. John chapter 13, verse 33 to 35. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. As we sit, or as we watch, shall we pray. God, our Father, we thank you for the miracle that you speak your word to us, even now, even today. And we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will again speak your word to us today, that we may hear that word, we may take it into our hearts, that we may allow it to do its work in us. And so, Holy Spirit, come and change us, teach us, guide us, mold us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. One of the great uh, early theologians of the church was a man called Jerome. Uh, he was uh, well known in the church because he, he translated the Bible into Latin. But he used to tell a story uh, about the Apostle John. And the Apostle John, of course, had known Jesus in the flesh. He had spent a lot of time with Jesus, and he, he lived a very long time. And towards the end of his life, he was a very elderly man. He was, uh, couldn't walk any longer. He had to be carried everywhere. Uh, he had been in exile on the, the island of Patmos. He'd come back to Ephesus. He'd ministered in the name of Jesus. And towards the end of his life, um, whenever he went to church, he couldn't walk to church any longer. And so his, his followers would, um, would, would carry him. And they carry him into the church and they lay him down. And they would ask, they would say, Apostle, give us a word. And he would say the same thing every week. Every week he would say, little children love one another. And uh, time and time again, they would bring him back and they would carry him into church. And they would ask him for a word and he would say, little children love one another. And after a while, they got a bit tired of this. They kind of said, well, you know, haven't we got a different sermon? Can't you say something different? Because you say the same things every week, every week, every week. And John is supposed to have said this. Why do I keep saying this? Because it's the Lord's command. And if this only is done, it is enough. And it strikes me that after a life of spending time with Jesus in the flesh, a life of being filled with the Holy Spirit, a life reflecting upon the ministry, the life of Jesus, John summed up what it was all about in this simple word, little children love one another. 
And so that is my simple message today. Three words to take away. Love one another. It's the heart of Christian ethics. It's the heart of Christian life. It's right at the heart of everything we do. Because, of course, the Christian life is not, at the end of the day, about degrees or about status or about committees uh, or even being on the electoral roll. Important as that is, please do sign up for the electoral roll. But the ultimate sign of being a Christian is not being on the electoral roll. It is the ability to love one another. That's the sign of the Christian. That's what Jesus says. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. St. Augustine was one of the other great Christian fathers who kind of knew the Christian faith, plumbed its depths more than many others. And when he was writing on the epistles of John that came from the same sort of group of churches that John looked after, he said this, love and do what you want. If you're silent, be silent with love. If you cry out, cry out with love. If you chastise, chastise with love. If you spare, spare with love. The root of love must be within. Nothing but good can come from this root. And as if he was saying, the heart of the Christian has to be love. And if you have that root of love in your heart, whatever else you do, it will kind of work out all right. If you don't have love in your heart, then all kinds of things are going to go wrong. And so if this is so important, if this command, this new command Jesus gave to his disciples as he departed from them, the command to love one another, if that's so important, it kind of matters that we learn how to do this. It kind of matters that we learn how to love. Because it seems to be the unique thing that Jesus said that he taught his disciples to love not just their friends and family, because that's normally relatively easy to do, although I know some families are difficult to love. Yes, that's true. He says, we don't even just love our neighbors, because you don't know who your neighbors are. They might be okay, they might not be okay, but we're also to love our enemies. That's the unique thing about the teaching of Jesus, this command to love. And so it's vital we learn how to do this. Now, how do we do this? How do we learn how to love one another? Especially, how do we learn to love those we kind of find quite difficult to love? And I think the clue comes in what we read in that reading just a few moments ago, where Jesus says this, love one another as I have loved you. The clue to learning to love is to love as God has loved you. So if you like, this talk basically is about that little word, as. A-S. Learn to love as God has loved you. And I want to reflect just for a few minutes on how God has loved us and how that might teach us to love one another better. So if we ask that question, how has God loved us? We learn it by tracing the story of the gospel, the story of the Christian faith which, if you like, is the story of the, the church's year that we've been through over the past six, seven months. Because if we go back, we start with the story of Christmas. Now, Christmas may seem a long time ago, but of course, Christmas was the great time when we celebrated the incarnation, the gift of Jesus Christ to us, that moment where God became human flesh in Jesus Christ. 
John put it like this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is how God loved us, by giving his son to us. Now, when St. Paul wrote about this, he wrote about it in slightly different language. He said this in Philippians chapter two. He said, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In other words, that God's love for us was shown in that God humbled himself. That's how he loved us, by humbling himself. Now, those two ideas, love and humility, belong together. We cannot love without humility. And the reason for that is because if, if you and I are proud, proud people like to be at the top of the pile. They like to look down upon everybody else. And the problem is if you're looking down upon someone, you can't really love them because you don't think they deserve your love. That's why pride people, proud people find it hard to love. Humility is something different. It's when you begin to look not so much down upon someone, but across at someone. I learned this a little while ago when I was, uh, I was riding my bike along the Fulham Palace Road. And uh, as I was riding along, sort of normal kind of speed, a car overtook me and came right in in front of me. And then the, uh, the lights turned red in front of him, so he jammed on his brakes, and so I had to jam on my brakes to stop me going to the back of the car. And I was pretty angry, and I was about to kind of unleash a volley of abuse at this driver, telling him how what a terrible driver he was and why he should look out for himself. And, you know, I nearly had an accident and everything else, and I was just about to, get to, to, to let rip, and suddenly a thought came into my mind that made me stop. And the thought that came into my mind was a little memory that maybe just two or three weeks before... I had been driving my car down a similar road in London and I had done pretty much the same thing to another cyclist who was riding along just behind me too. And at that moment, I realized I have no right to sit in judgment upon this driver and tell him what a terrible driver he was because I'm a terrible driver too. I just learned just that little bit of humility. And at that moment, my heart softened towards that driver so you see what happens here? With pride, we look down upon people. We think we're better than them. We do not love them. But with humility, we look across. We look across at people who are fellow creatures, fellow sinners, fellow recipients of God's love and God's grace. And it becomes just that little bit easier to love someone when you're looking across at them rather than down upon them. Without humility, we cannot learn love. And so the first step in learning to love is to learn humility. To realize we don't stand above others, but we stand alongside them. And we look across to them as people who are vulnerable and flawed as we are. People whom we are called to love. Second thing we learn about how God loved us. We go on from Christmas on to Good Friday. Good Friday, that day when God in Jesus Christ submits to death on our behalf. Romans 5, 8, Paul put it like this. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know someone loves you? Someone can say, I love you. But words are cheap. 
doesn't necessarily mean anything. The words, how do you know whether those words mean something? And the answer is, how much would they sacrifice for you? In fact, sacrifice is, if you like, the currency of value for us. If you ask yourself what really matters to you, what you love most in your life, you might ask the question, what would you sacrifice most for? Your career, your home, your football team, your family. What we sacrifice most for, that's the thing we value above everything else. And so the husband, the wife, the friend who says, I love you, but never lifts a finger to give a gift or only gives cheap gifts that don't cost much, never actually do anything for you, just carry on with their lives, just saying the odd word every again, you begin to wonder whether that love means anything at all. Janet, my wife and I, um, last Sunday we were celebrating our uh, our 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah, we're that old. Um, and um, I, I was reflecting a little bit on, on what, what makes a marriage, and what makes a marriage kind of work. And I was thinking about how it's so often not, not the, the big things, it's just the little things, the little sacrifices you make for each other over a, a lifetime. And the same is true of friendships. It's the same is true of all, all our relationships. So often it's the little things that count. The little things like, you know, getting out of bed to rock the baby so that your spouse can have a bit of a few extra hours in bed. You know, putting away your phone to give full attention, which I know I don't do often enough, but that little act of sacrifice is just, yeah, I'm gonna put that away, I'm gonna give my full attention now. Thinking ahead to do the shopping before you're asked, anticipating needs before they're even spoken. Those little sacrifices those are the things that make a marriage, a friendship, a family work over time. And where those sacrifices aren't present, the relationship can begin to deteriorate. One of the ways in which we show love for one another is through the little sacrifices we make for one another because that's the way God showed his love for us in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. If we're to learn as good, to love as God has loved us, then the small sacrifices we make each day for each other, they can become little signs of that divine love. That's how we are to learn to love one another. The third way in which God has loved us is to take the story on from Good Friday through to Easter Sunday and then on to the Feast of the Ascension. In other words, that as Jesus dies on the cross, yet he is raised on the third day and then ascends to the Father in heaven. And when Jesus ascends to the Father, what does he do there? Well, we're told exactly what he does. Romans chapter eight, verse 34 says this, Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, he is the one who intercedes for us. Jesus at the right hand of the Father prays for you. Don't know if you ever realized that, that Jesus prays for you. He prays for you much more than you or I ever pray for anyone else. He intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. If you want to know what he prays for you, you might want to read something like John 17. That'll tell you a bit of a clue about it. But the point is this, that intercession, 
That's the way that God shows his love for us, in that Jesus prays for us. And if we are to learn to love one another, one of the ways we do that is through prayer. Because prayer has the ability to deepen our love for one another. I remember a number of years ago, I had a student that uh, I was teaching in a class that I was, um, I was uh, in charge of. And I remember this student came to me at the end of the class one day and said, um, you know, there's someone in this class that I cannot stand. Whenever he opens his mouth, I, I really disagree with him on just about everything he says. And he's so arrogant, he's so, I really do not like him at all. What do I do? So I said, um, well, have you thought of praying, praying for him? And he said, oh, there's no point in doing that. He won't change. So I said, well, uh, maybe he won't change, but maybe you might. And so he said, oh, all right, I'll do what you say. So I said, well, why don't you go away just for a fortnight? Pray for him every single day and see what happens. And so he agreed to do this. He went away and within a, within a week, he came back to me. It, you know, it didn't even take two weeks. He came back in a week later and he said, do you know, something has changed in my heart towards him. I still don't like him very much, but I've just maybe begun to love him a little bit. Because what happens when you pray for someone, of course, is that something changes. When, when, when you look at someone you really don't like, don't get on very well, you look at that person, all you see is the person that you don't like, their habits, their opinions, their behavior. That's all you see. And that's what kind of generates that kind of sense of bad feeling. But when you pray for someone, you add a third dimension, which is God. You begin to see how God sees that person. You begin to see them as someone loved by God. Someone who is in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Someone with all their vulnerabilities, all their needs, all their longings, all their desires. And that begins to soften your heart to them. And so if we're going to learn to love people, especially those we find difficult, we're going to need to learn to pray for them. Because that's one of the ways in which God has loved us in Christ. Jesus prays for us. If we're to learn to love one another, we need to pray for one another too. And then the last bit of the story, how God has loved us, is what we celebrated last week. Because after the Feast of the Ascension, we get the Feast of Pentecost, the outpouring the gift of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul again puts it like this. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because the reality is that love is not just something we can just switch on like that. Because on one sense, yes, love is a set of actions. In the Christian faith, love is not so much how you feel towards someone, it's how you behave towards them. But if you're going to behave differently towards them and over a long period of time, something has to change inside your heart. You can't just do it by an act of will. Love is, if you like, a supernatural gift, a gift from God, a gift of the Holy Spirit. So the only way we really begin to love another person is when God's Holy Spirit begins to flood our hearts and fill our hearts with love. One of the images that's often used for the Holy Spirit is that of fire. And fire, of course, warms cold things. The Holy Spirit warms cold hearts. The Spirit softens hard hearts. 
So we can only begin to love others when our desires begin to change, when the Holy Spirit softens our cold and world-weary and cynical hearts. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit and cynicism can never live together in a person's heart. The Spirit melts that cynicism that says that, no, they can't change. They're always going to be like that. I can't possibly love them. The Holy Spirit softens and dissolves that world-weary cynicism that so often comes inside our hearts. And one of the signs of the Spirit's present is when you find your heart beginning to soften towards other people. You begin to notice their struggles and their sufferings. You begin to notice some of the things that are going on in their lives and your heart is poured out in compassion towards them. That's a sign of the Spirit's presence when your heart begins to change. Here in church, we pray very often that simple prayer, come Holy Spirit. But might I suggest that is a prayer you pray every day? But maybe every day when you wake in the morning, you pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit, fill my heart with love for you and for every person I meet today. Why not pray that prayer every morning this week? Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, fill my heart with love for you and for every person I meet this day. And if you pray that prayer, of course we are given the promise that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, God gives us that gift. And so we pray that the Spirit will melt our hearts and teach us to love. When we come to church here, Church is meant to be a place where we learn this art, this skill of loving one another. And as we reflect upon the story of Christian faith, Christmas, the incarnation, God humbling himself and learning humility ourselves. Good Friday, God giving himself to us in the sacrifice of Christ in the cross and us learning to make those little sacrifices for one another. The resurrection and ascension, as Jesus prays for us and we learn to pray for those we find difficult to love. And then finally, this gift of the Spirit to melt and warm our cold hearts. The more we reflect on that story, the more we learn to love each other as God has loved us.